all of it. One more time. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Let's just praise him for some of those benefits. Father, thank you. We've come to worship. We've come to praise you. We've come to look into your word. We've rejoiced around the songs of Zion. Now help us, Lord, just to receive your word. Lord, may it find lodging in our hearts. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I just want to share with you along the topic of this weekend, we're just going to call it memory aids. Memory aids. Just simply combating spiritual memory failure. This weekend as a nation, we are commemorating Memorial Day. It's designed to remember and honor those who uh, have died while serving in the U.S. military. Tomorrow, I was thinking how all across our nation, um, there will be the sound of drums and marching bands and patriotic music, and uh, whether it's in a big city or just a small town, people are going to gather. They're going to gather in parks. They're going to gather in cemeteries, and there's going to be speeches given. There's going to be prayers offered. Uh, there's going to be maybe taps will be played. Salutes will be granted. Artillery will be fired. Listen, it's our way of saying thanks to those who died that we might continue to enjoy our freedoms. Many families also use this day to visit the cemeteries where their loved ones are buried and remember the lives of their loved ones by placing flowers or maybe an, another kind of token on the grave of loved ones. Memorial Day is all about remembering. Say it with me, remembering. Truth is, our memory is a God-given gift. Isn't that true? Praise God. Without it, we would stumble through a world of confusion. We'd be unable to profit from anything we learn. Because if you can't remember what you've learned, how many know it's ineffective? It's ineffective. I can still remember my mom, hear her voice, doing homework. Don't you remember? We covered this last week. Hello. Huh? The truth is, even important things gradually fade away from our memories if we're not careful. I mean, oh, that's why we have days set aside like this, this weekend, Memorial Day. They aid us in our memory. And we need them so that we will not forget those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. I was reminded of a certain Persian king who was elevated from a poverty-stricken childhood taken placed on the royal throne after becoming king they said he sent some of his servants to the old shack where he was raised and he told them he said I want you to gather as many of the relics as you can and he said bring them back he says I have a plan for him and so they they brought back fragments of his 
shack where he was raised, maybe some broken toys, a set of patched shirt and a crude wooden bowl that he ate from as he grew up and numerous other worthless type mementos from his underprivileged childhood. And he brought them into the palace and he arranged all those personal effects in a special room in the palace. And they said every day he spent an hour setting among the memories of his humble past. And on the wall in the palace was a plaque there in that room that read, Lest I forget. Say it with me, lest I forget. He knew the importance of memory aids, right? As a nation, we have memory aids. We have, we, they help us commemorate certain people, certain event, events. We've got bridges. We've got dams named after certain people. We've got buildings and museums and scrapbooks and diaries and videos and photo albums and tombstones and cornerstones and statues and, and monuments. All of them are important and necessary because it's our nature to forget quickly sometimes, right? And what's even more tragic than forgetting our heritage and even forgetting freedom's price is forgetting how much we owe to God. How many believers we got in the house? Raise your hand and wave it. Yeah. Every Sunday. Did you know every Sunday is really a kind of memorial day? A day to remind us of God's love and His kindness to us. And those songs we sung just did just that. Praise God. Just like the Persian king, we need to recall the past blessings by surrounding ourselves with the benefits we have as believers that shared with us throughout Scripture. And I, I was reminded of uh, John Hopkins' researcher that I read a while back. He began to list the things that we tend to forget the most. He said, 83% of us forget names. 60% of us forget where something is. Huh? Forty-nine percent of us forget what's been told to us. Huh? Just this week, my wife had to remind me of one of the house rules around the Jones family. You know, with technology continually changing, sometimes we're having to set limits and boundaries for the kiddos in the house. And, and uh, a while back, just we made one of those boundaries. And, and then uh, this week, I just forgot about it. She said, now, now here, do, you, do you remember? I said, you know what? You're going to probably have to remind me several times. Hello. Hmm? It's like we have built-in forgetters. So to combat our built-in forgetters, we need some built-in reminders. Does that make sense? Come on, folks. Some memory joggers. Remember when folks used to tie a string around their finger? Maybe put a rubber band around their wrist simply to remind them of something? Listen, now we've passed all that. We've got our smartphones with our alarms or computers with the pop-up reminders, making sure we don't miss an appointment or forget something to do at a certain time. Listen, in Scripture, they would often build reminders out of stone. You remember reading about that? 
Heaps of stones were seen as memorials and were, was employed as something to stir the memory and, and prevent memory loss. Fact is, how many know our memory can be tricky? Three senior adults talking one day said to one another, you know, when I stand in front of the mirror, I can't remember if I'm getting ready to leave or if I'm coming back. Another one said, well, I can sympathize with you because when he said that hits me when I get in the car, I can't remember if I'm going or I'm coming. The other one said, well, nothing like that's ever happened to me. Knock on wood. Uh, excuse me, i got to get the door. That's an old one, right? But how many know all of us have experienced problems with our memory? huh? And the loss of memory can be kind of a sad thing because memory anchors us to the past. It interprets the present, and it charts the course for the future. And certainly it is unfortunate and inconvenient and at times can be even embarrassing not to be able to recall or to remember. Yet for many of us, the failure of memory is largely, folks, guess what? Get used to it. A lot of, for a lot of us, it's going to be unavoidable as we mature and get older. Hmm? But memory failure is not something which leads to personal, not just something that leads to personal inconvenience or social embarrassment. How many know spiritual memory problems can be dangerous? Dangerous. So I'd like to share with you three observations. This is where we're going today. Three observations regarding our spiritual memories, and then I'll, I'll be done. Observation number one. A failure of spiritual memory can result in a failure of faith. A memory problem spiritually usually becomes a faith problem. You don't believe me? Just ask the Israelites. Huh? The constant problem with the children of Israel throughout the Old Testament, the problem that caused them to backslide and, and uh, fall into repeated sin and apostasy was that they always forgot what God had done. And here's what we read in Deuteronomy 4 and 9. Keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. Lest they depart from thy heart all the days of your life. In the book of Judges, the Israelites kept forgetting the Lord and kept returning to other gods. And we read about that fundamental problem again that they had in Judges 3-7. It says, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam. The psalmist sums up the problems of the Israelites this way in Psalm 106-7. Our fathers remembered not the multitude of thy mercies. Psalm 106, 21. They forgot God their Savior which had done great things in Egypt. So just like God's ancient people, how many know all of us tend to forget all that God has done in the past 
And as a result of our memory problem, we embrace the disobedience or the detours that then complicate the will of God for our lives. And it starts when we forget God's past deliverances and decide, hey, we can handle this on our own. We can fix these problems ourselves. Uh, listen, good decisions in the present and good planning for the future is always rooted in remembering God's history in the past. Hello. The history of our lives, it's a series of cliffs that we've come to the edge of but never went over because of a divine intervention from the Lord. Huh? Our lives are records of times when waiting on God's answer was worth it when rushing into our answers was not worth it. Our lives are records of times that looked like the end, but then God wrote another chapter and changed everything. Listen, like the Red Sea, God has parted the waters for us over and over again, but in moments of crisis and challenge, we tend to forget the God that parted the Red Sea. Huh? When the Jews stood at the entrance to the promised land. They saw the giants. They yet forgot what God had done at the Red Sea. So what they do? They retreated. Listen, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years uh, looking back on God's adventures in our lives, church, uh, and recalling His goodness is one way we prevent spiritual memory failure. And listen, remembering the ways in which He has intervened in our lives and time and time again and came through for us in the past will give us the courage and the confidence in the present and the resolve to face the future unafraid. Listen, God's people have always had a time and a problem with forgetfulness. It's time to stir up our memory this morning. In high-pressure situations or when we're just going through our daily routine, how many know? It's tempting to forget God. Huh? We seem to forget that we're His children. How many is a child of God? Huh? We fail to recall what He's promised to do for us. We don't remember His awesome power and His love. So we try to overcome temptation on our own and in our own strength or solve a difficult problem by using our wisdom that is uh, surrounding us in our world. But the psalmist decided to flex his memory muscle another way in Psalm 103. And he gives us the key to spiritual growth uh, when he said, Oh, I'm going to bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. Why? Because blessing the Lord helps prevent spiritual memory failure. Somebody raise your hand and say, Lord, I bless your name. Lord, I bless your name. Because one of the major problems that we all have is that we have incredible short memories. Our enemy, how many know, always wants us to forget the blessings of God, the benefits of God in serving Christ. And Satan's goal is to keep us from pondering and pausing and stopping to think deeper and reflect some gratitude. Huh? You know, a lot of people believe that to become a Christian and grow as a Christian, you basically have to disconnect your head from the rest of your body and not think. Huh? Have you not found that a lot of people accuse believers 
not being intellectual thinkers. Hello? Hmm? But I believe that it's exactly the opposite. I believe that the only way to have a deep, rich relationship with God is to think deeply about your life. Not just skim the surface, but think deeply about your life and your relationship with God. Folks, because here's the problem. I was thinking this week, oftentimes we spend more time evaluating our cell phone plan or trying to decide what internet service we're going to use to stream movies into the house, hello, than we do looking into whether we have pleased the Lord and surrendered to His will for our lives. Hey, is this making sense? See, the enemy always comes along and he says, oh, you don't need to think about that. Don't think about the real big spiritual questions. They're too hard to figure out. Huh? The enemy comes along and says, oh, it takes too much mental energy to discover what's right and what's wrong and what your purpose or calling is in life. Don't think too long about the consequences of your bad relationships. Don't think too much about addictive behavior, behaviors. Don't call to mind the prayers in which you cried out to be set free. Don't rehearse the pain you've suffered as a result of your sin. All that stuff is depressing. Hmm? It's too hard to think about all that. So, so the devil just says, move along. And how many know it's always the enemy who says, move along and just skim the surface and do what comes natural and, and go with the flow. Don't swim against the current. Hmm? Satan says, don't think. Don't, do the easy thing. Push the snooze button spiritually. Huh? Go out and instead of financially being responsible, pull out the credit card, forget about the debt you're going to run up, and just have a good time. Hello? Go ahead, go ahead. Satan says, don't think about what God says. Don't think, don't remember. But how many know God is saying, remember. Remember, lest you forget. God says, oh, now i got to hurry. Point number two, let's move. Observation number two, the secret to spiritual growth in Scripture is learning to cultivate a good memory. Why? Because forgetfulness, get this, erodes the foundations of our relationship with God. As believers, we're called to cultivate a good memory. Not forgetting is one of the major keys of a spiritual growth. Week by week, believers celebrate communion, uh, the bread and the cup all over the world. They repeat those words, this do in remembrance of me. Praise God. We must never forget Christ's sacrifice for our sins. I believe it's 166 times throughout Scripture people are commanded to remember and not forget. We're, we read in Deuteronomy 5.15 where it says, Remember that thou wast a slave or a servant in the land of Egypt and that the Lord thy God brought thee out. Oh, with a mighty hand. Regarding the Passover, we read in Deuteronomy 16.3, Thou shalt eat no unleavened bread, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. Listen, the wise King Solomon said this. How many can remember Ecclesiastes 12.1, where he said, Remember now 
thy creator in the days of thy youth. 166 times the Bible calls us to remember. Praise God. So that was observation number two. Here's my final point, observation number three. As believers, we are called to remember where we came from. Apostle Paul, that takes us to the passage we read. Apostle Paul says, we need to remember where God brought us from. And the call to combat this memory failure is made in Paul's passage here to the church at Ephesus as he urges them to remember where God has brought them from. And he says, remember, you were separated from Christ. You were excluded from heaven's citizenship. You were strangers and, 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 and to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in this world. Have you ever heard someone say something like, don't forget your roots? How many has ever heard that? Don't forget your roots. The danger is that we can forget where we came from. Huh? In Scripture, there's really only one fundamental distinction between people. It, is, it has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with economics, race, country of origin. Scripture says the only thing that really matters is whether we are in Christ or apart from Christ. Every other line we draw between people is like a hairline crack in a sidewalk compared to the Grand Canyon-sized divide that exists between being in Christ and being outside of Christ. See, the big distinction between people is not whether you live in a 7,000-square-foot mansion in the suburbs and whether somebody else lives under a bridge. Hello. Whether you have a PhD or someone else has a sixth grade education, there's only one dividing line that runs through the whole human race, and that is, are you in Christ? Or are you apart from Christ? Huh? And the book of Ephesians is all about being in Christ. What does it mean, Pastor, to be in Christ? To be in Christ is not to be located inside of Him, as some may think, but rather it's to be united with Him in the closest possible relationship. To be in Christ is to be in union with Him. To be in Christ is to have a deep and personal intimacy with Him. Christ describes it as being like a branch united with the vine. Paul says it's like a husband united to his wife. And it is a personal, intimate connection, a deep union. That is what it is to be a Christian in Christ. This makes Christianity unique among all the other world religions. No other religion says that its followers are in a personal union with the founder of their faith. Buddhists don't say that they are in Buddha. 
that they have a personal relationship with Muslims don't say they are in Muhammad that they have this personal relationship with Muhammad Marxists don't say that they have a personal relationship with Marx and the Mormons don't say they are in Joseph Smith that they have this personal relation listen but that's what a Christian says about Jesus we are right at this moment in a vital life giving personal union with Jesus. That's what it means to truly be saved. Can you say that about yourself this morning? Oh, listen, folks. I remember where I came from. I remember that I was apart from Christ. I was not in a personal relationship with Christ. And Paul would tell us there's nothing worse than that. But the apostle goes on and he underlines our state apart from Christ. And in the words of New Testament scholar William Hendrickson, he says, We were Christless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. But Paul doesn't leave us there. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. He goes on to say in Ephesians 2:13, we read it, but now. Somebody say, but now. In Christ, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul says we were afar off, but now we've been brought near, brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, aren't you thankful for the blood? Oh, go ahead and raise your hands and praise him. Praise God. Whew, hallelujah. Now I'm hurrying. I promise it's, it's, it's a couple minutes after 12. I'm hurrying. I promise. But see, brought near by the blood, that deals with one of the great objections that people have to Christianity. We often hear people say, <coughs> here's my problem with Christianity. Pastor, I know someone who is not a Christian, but yet they're a nicer person, more loving person, more honest person, than some Christians I know. Have you ever heard somebody say something to that effect? I know people, they'll say, who are just as nice or nicer than many Christians. Now, if you're a thoughtful Christian, here's what you ought to respond and say. You say, well, you know what? I've experienced exactly the same thing. I've seen wonderful people who are not Christians and I know some Christians are not so wonderful. Hmm? But you see, Christianity is fundamentally not a moral improvement program. If you become a Christian, your morals should improve. You should over time become kinder, more loving, more welcoming, more honest, and so on. But Christianity is not primarily a moral improvement program. Christianity is not, I used to be a bad person, but now I'm a good person. Rather, Paul says, it's I used to be far from Jesus, but now I'm close to Jesus. Christianity is primarily a relationship. 
It's not just about moral improvement. The big change that happened in my life when I put my faith in God is that now I have a relationship with the most incredible person ever. His name is Jesus Christ. And I didn't have that relationship before. It's all about relationship. Being a Christian is not founded on my politics. Being a Christian is not founded on my traditions or even my morals. Being a Christian is founded upon my growing relationship with Christ. Great author, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Kind of like his last name. He was a heart surgeon, became pastor of Westminster Chapel in England. He preached a whole message on that little phrase. We, we, we said it earlier, but now. Where Paul uses, but now. And Dr. Lloyd-Jones said that the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian can be summed up in that little phrase, but now. Huh? This phrase, but now, he said, is the contrast between someone who is not a follower of Christ and someone that's following Christ. Everyone in the world can say, oh, you know, I've, I've known sickness, I've known difficulty, I've known loss, and I've had heartbreak, heartbreak, and I've known what guilt and shame's all about. Everybody can say that. Hmm? But only a follower of Christ can say, but now, into my darkness came the light. But now, into my guilt and shame came forgiveness. But now, into my depression, hope has arisen. Oh, somebody say, but now, because it distinguishes the follower of Christ from those who are not following. So let me ask you a question. Do you see a turning point? Do you have one of those places where you can say, but now? I used to be far away from Christ, but now I feel His presence. I used to be outside of Christ, but now I'm in Christ. I used to be outside His family, but now I'm part of the family of God. Isn't it great to be part of the family? Friend, can you say that clearly there's been a but now that's happened in your life? Paul says never forget where you came from. Never forget where you are now because of Christ. Truth is, we get up in the morning, we forget what the Lord has done for us the day before. We forget God's grace and we don't remember to treat our spouse or children with love and respect as we did the day before. Listen, we almost act like we have to learn our Christianity all over again every day. No wonder we feel like we're stuck. Huh? Living with spiritual short-term memory loss makes us look a lot like the non-Christians next door. We need to be reminded every day who we serve and whose we are. And when the enemy tries to take you captive, you need to run to that memorial of God's grace. Run to that memorial of God's goodness that you have erected in your life and say, listen, I once was afar off, but now I've been made nigh. I'll raise your hands and praise him. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> God, don't ever let us forget who you are. Oh, may we always remember 
the faithfulness of our God. Sister Jones, you can come. I'm going to conclude. 1 Samuel 7, 12. We find the Israelites on a battlefield. Years before that same location, Israel had suffered defeat. So now they're back at the same battlefield. And they're pleading for God's help. And guess what? This time, He grants them a miraculous victory against their enemy. Their leader at that time being Samuel, he sets up a monument to remind them of God's strong hand in their triumph. And he names that monument Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. In Hebrew, the word Ebenezer simply means stone of help. Listen, this stone pillar called God's children to recall the time when God had turned the events from bad to blessed. Huh? And each time an Israelite saw that Ebenezer stone, they remembered God's help in the past, God's help in the today, and His assured help tomorrow. Praise God. The Ebenezer stone was a visual reminder of God's readiness to hear their cries and to save them in their time of battle. It reminded them of the victory that comes from God. As we stand together, just as the stone called God's people to remember, the psalmist built similar monuments. But how many know the psalmist built his monuments with words, with poems, with pen? He reached back many times. The psalmist reaches back into the history of God's people and he named the marvelous things. You can read Psalms. Some of them, it's a list. He names the marvelous things that God had done and many of the ways God had delivered Israel from their enemy and all the times that He forgave their disobedience and rebellion. And He says, remember, don't, uh, He said, don't, don't you remember when God led you out of the bondage of Egypt? Uh, don't you remember when He feeds you in the desert uh, and kept you going even though you were grumbling along the way? He says, don't, didn't He forgive your repeated idolatry? tree and rampant rebelliousness uh, and he says if he did so much for you in times past uh, he says can't you depend on him to do that for you today and maybe even more so today he says and won't he still be with you tomorrow and the next day oh somebody ought to raise your hands and say God I really want to trust you to make it through Praise God. Why? It's important for us to create our own Ebenezer to remind us God is God. And if He did it back then, He can do it again. I said He can do it again. Somebody rejoice over that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost and i got to close. So to create your personal Ebenezer, all you need to do here this morning is mentally page through your mental memory album. Go ahead. Just start recalling the victory 
that God has given you. Start recalling the provision He has met. Listen, open your mouth and begin to praise Him. Your praise can become that Ebenezer. Huh? You might begin by remembering certain times when He turned what appeared to be disaster into an unexpected victory or when He took you through a hardship and gave you the gift of wisdom and patience. Listen, our personal Ebenezer turns us away from fear and doubt and disbelief at the present uh, because we realize again how many times uh, God has been faithful. He's protected us and He's healed us. Oh, somebody just praise Him right there. Woo, hallelujah. Our worship can be our Ebenezer. So take a stroll as we close. Take a stroll down memory lane spiritually this morning and worship God for His faithfulness, His provision, and His protection. And I close with Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men stood up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick, then the waters had overwhelmed us, but our soul is escaped the snare is broken and our help is in the name of the Lord. Somebody say, my help is in the name of the Lord. It was in His name yesterday, it's in His name today, and it'll be in His name tomorrow. Raise your hands and praise Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody just gather around the front and let's just say, God, I just want to build an Ebenezer of praise. I'm just going to build an, a monument of praise right here for a few minutes before I, before I leave, before I exit. Anybody in the house want to say thank you, Jesus? <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Go ahead. One, 